0: Hello and welcome to Wangaratta Baptist Church. My name is Pastor Aaron. I'm so thrilled that you've decided to join with us today for this message. This message was recorded live at one of our Sunday morning services, which are on every Sunday at 10am right here in Wangaratta. If you're here uh, in town on a Sunday, then why not come along and join with us in fellowship with other believers as we open the word together and hear from the scriptures. But if you are connecting with us online, don't let this replace, uh, coming to a, a local church. Uh, they are vitally important for the growth of all believers. And so get along to your local church. But if not, then, then at least help, let this be a supplement to help you in your walk with the Lord. And so we do believe that the, the scriptures are the inherent word of God and they're here to train us and equip us. And so we will be speaking and opening up the scriptures together. So, so get your Bibles out and follow along. And I trust that this message that you are watching today will really encourage you and inspire you and help you understand the hope that we do have in Jesus Christ. May it be a blessing to you. We start this question, uh, this series though, with a question, who is Jesus? Jesus. This question is in many ways central to the many Gospels. And Luke particularly wants his readers to know who Jesus is. And so we see different characteristics in chapter 9 that that answer uh, this very question as as we are introduced to different characters. First of all, Herod asks this question in verse 9. He says, Herod said, John I beheaded... But who is this about whom I hear such things? And he sought to see him. Herod asks, who is Jesus? And in verse 18, Jesus is talking with the disciples and asks them who the crowd thinks that he is. And there are various answers given. Then Jesus himself asks them, but who do you say that I am? The answer to this question is given to us in chapter 9. But spread throughout this chapter are many clues that Jesus himself gives us about himself that help answer the question, who is he? As we see his nature revealed. Verse 1 of chapter 9. He called the 12 together and gave them power and authority over all demons to cure diseases and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal Jesus imparted. This is what he's revealing about himself. He imparted to them. He sent them out. He gave them things. He imparted three things. He imparted power. You now, For someone to give something to somebody else, they first must possess it, right? I can't give you something I don't have. I can't give you a million dollars because I don't have a million dollars. I can't give you a love for curry because I don't have a love for curry, (laughs) right? And so for Jesus to impart power to his disciples, he had to have the power to begin with. Jesus has power over demons and diseases. Jesus also imparts authority. You know authority is imparted by others by those uh, imparted to others by those with authority and Jesus has authority over demons and diseases and Jesus also imparts to his disciples purpose Jesus gave them a purpose to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal and they were given power by Jesus authority by Jesus and purpose from Jesus to proclaim the gospel of Jesus. And as we see in verse 6, they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. They were given these things by Jesus and they put them into action. They did exactly as they were directed by Jesus. So for Jesus to give power, authority and purpose, Jesus has power, authority and purpose. So as we look at the nature of Jesus being revealed, trying to answer this question, who is Jesus? We see that he imparts power, authority and purpose. And then in verse, 7, uh, verse 10 to 17, we see Jesus provide in miraculous ways. Verse 10, on their return, the apostles told him all that they had done and they took him and withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida, Can you imagine this scene? You've just been out healing people, casting out demons. You've been active in displaying Jesus' power, authority and purpose through you to bless and heal others. And then they all come back together and Jesus is walking with them and they're on the way to Bethsaida And they're just talking. Can you imagine the buzz that would be? Oh, I forgot to tell you, I was down by the river one day and this bloke came along and he was just crazy and I cast the demon out. Like there would have been all different stories like that going left, right and centre. Can you imagine that scene, walking with Jesus, telling him how you'd enacted the gifts he'd given you? That would be wonderful. Verse 11, when the crowds learned it, where they were, they followed him. And he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had need of healing. Jesus continues demonstrating power, authority and purpose. Now the day began to wear away and the twelve came and said to him, send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging and get provisions for we we here are in a desolate place. But he said to them, You give them something to eat. See, this Jesus is the Jesus who had just sent them out with power, authority and purpose and he has just told them to feed the people. So what do you think their response is? They said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we are to go and buy food for all these people for there were about 5,000 men, plus the women and the children. So the disciples looked practically at the problem. Jesus, however, employed his power, authority and purpose. And he said to the disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And they did so, and had them all sit down. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And they all ate and were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up, 12 baskets of broken pieces. I love the 12 baskets of leftovers for the 12 disciples. The ones that were said by, told by Jesus, you feed them. They now walk each with a basket away of leftovers. That, that's pretty good imagery, isn't it? Like, that's a pretty good, you know, final nail in the coffin of that lesson that day. Right? Jesus is demonstrating who he is that he has power and authority and uses that for the purpose of which he is among them to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. What is broken? The miracle points us forward to the coming kingdom where there will be no hunger, where there will be no thirst, where all of our needs are met and where there is no sickness or pain. This is Jesus demonstrating just a glimpse of the coming kingdom. So as we continue to look at this, this Jesus and trying to answer that question, who is he? We see him parts power, authority and purpose and Jesus provides. And from verse 23, we see that Jesus calls. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. There are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. So, what Jesus is saying here being a disciple of his, responding to his call, costs something. It is not free, it costs something. It's a free gift, but it costs something. The first thing it costs is denying self. So, denying self is more fundamental than denying things. It involves forsaking your personal ambitions and personal desires to fulfill the will of God. It means living for His sake rather than our own. This denying self isn't like having. Uh, not having that second piece of cake because you want to watch your weight. That's not what Jesus is talking about. This denying self speaks more about the very purpose of your existence. See, before we met Christ, before we decided to follow him, our purpose was to live our best life for me. It's the world of because you're worth it. Just do it. I'm loving it, think different, maybe she's born with it, finger-licking good, breakfast of champions, the best a man can get, share a Coke with, have a break, the happiest place on earth. That's the world without Jesus. That's what our society without Jesus is trying to sell us to fill our life with. But when we meet Jesus and decide to follow him, we are called by him to a new purpose, a new way of thinking and of living, a whole new set of ambitions and desires that are no longer about me, but are about the will of God, living for his sake and not our own. In much the same way, Jesus asks his disciples to take up his cross, See, criminals going to crucifixion normally carry the cross piece of their own cross. Carrying a cross, therefore, meant bearing the reproach and burden associated with your chosen way of life. To do this daily meant enduring these things as a disciple of Jesus day after day, having no prospect of release in this life. We are no longer slaves to sin, but are now slaves to Jesus Christ. Jesus meant that his disciples had to bear a particular burden that non-disciples did not have to bear. The so-called easy life, do what you want to do, be what you want to be, yeah? (laughs) When you want to do it, with no regard for anyone else, a life of no consequence, no guilt, no shame, is sometimes what I envisaged life without Jesus to be when I was growing up. A life without a moral compass where I get to do what I want. I don't have to worry about all these extra rules that are in the Bible, doing good, being good. As I was growing up, at times I felt the burden of following Jesus as I saw my friends doing things which my parents would not have approved of. Having a moral compass and choosing to do right and do good when I was growing up as a teenager felt like it was, it cost me something, felt like I missed out on stuff. I now know with good hindsight, it wasn't good stuff I missed out on, so I'm I'm happy. But in that moment, it felt like it's such an easier life. There are consequences associated with choosing to follow Jesus wholeheartedly. Jesus' disciples must keep following him daily and bear the consequences of their choice that will involve loss and shame for us. Compared to what people who don't follow Jesus might choose to do, they may choose to shame you for your choices. My uncle is a builder. And uh, whenever he had other trades working on site, they all used to tell each other not to swear. Oh, no, no, you're on Smithy's work site, we don't swear around here. You know, he's, he's one of those God botherers. Right? That, that's, that cost him something. Because there was a reputation that he had to be a goody two-shoes. Right? You've all come across this if you're a Christian. People have this expectation on you that you are, you know, supposed to be perfect. Oh, you you would oh, you wouldn't do that. You're one of those Christians. You know, you can't have fun. You're a Christian is almost what it comes across as, right? We've all been there. In our society, we will be persecuted for believing the Bible. That has rung true this week like nothing else. You may even be fined or imprisoned for biblical counsel, support and prayer. Now, when I wrote this, my script says, if Daniel Andrews gets his way, well, he got it. Sadly. Jesus calls his followers to deny self, take up his cross, And that call from Jesus is a call that says, follow me. Follow Jesus. This means giving up what the world can provide to gain only what God can provide. It means trading in glory now in the eyes of the world for future glory in God's eyes. You know, following Jesus is the narrow path that few take. Following Jesus is choosing to live a life of conviction, taking God's word seriously in a world that is asking us to compromise or ignore what the Bible teaches. It is as this verse says, being prepared to give up our life now so it will be saved. What good are temporary things when we can be investing in the eternal So as we've been exploring the identity of Jesus, we've seen that Jesus imparted power, authority and purpose, that Jesus provided in miraculous ways and that Jesus calls. That call is to deny self, take up our cross daily and follow him. What I love about chapter 9 as the question of who Jesus is is explored deeply, God answers. God answers the question, who is Jesus? You see, Peter knows. In verse 20, then he said to him, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, the Christ of God. He believed that Jesus was the Messiah promised of the Old Testament, the son of the living God. Peter knows. Jesus knows in verse 21, He strictly charged and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. He knew that he was going to be the suffering servant. He knew that those prophecies of the Old Testament were about him. So Peter knows, Jesus knows, and God confirms. Verse 28. Now about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered. His clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah Three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Not knowing what he said. As he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them. The glory cloud of the Lord. And they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my son my chosen one, listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone and they kept silent and told no one in those days anything of what they'd seen. See, this event is the climax of the question, who is Jesus? In all of the Synoptic Gospels, it's answered right here. Here, three disciples saw and heard who Jesus really was. My son, my chosen one. And in God's answer, he also instructs, listen to him. So when Jesus says, deny yourself, God says, listen to him. When Jesus says, take up your cross daily, bear the burdens of following me, God says, listen to him. When Jesus says, follow me, God says, listen to him. Peter knows Jesus is the Christ, the promised Messiah. Jesus knows he is the son of God sent to die and save us. God confirms this is my son, my chosen one. And God declares, Listen to him. So when Jesus calls you to deny yourself, to take up your cross and to follow him, when he imparts power, authority, and purpose and provides all you need so that you can do what God declares about his Son, his chosen one, so that you can listen to him, when Jesus says, Go, share the hope of the gospel, baptize, teach, God tells us, listen to him. Are you listening to Jesus, the son of God, his chosen one? May we all be stirred to be more responsive and listen to Jesus when he speaks to us. May we all be inspired through the power, authority and purpose that Jesus has given us in this world And in this life, to bring people to the hope of the gospel. May we listen to Jesus and obey. Now, I don't know how listening to Jesus and obeying will work for you. It'll be different for many of us because God has called us each for his unique plans and purposes for us individually but I'm sure that there's something stirring in you right now that you know, I need to listen. And so don't leave today just going, oh yeah, that's a good, power, purpose, yep. Don't leave with those things sticking in your head. Leave with this. Am I listening to Jesus? May that sit and rest with you this week. And may when when you are forced with a question and and, and, and you know denying self, ah, I need to listen to Jesus. Taking up your cross, bearing those burdens, I need to listen to Jesus. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have revealed to us who your Son is your chosen one. And Lord, we also thank you for your instruction that says to follow him, listen to him. And as we do listen to Jesus, Lord, may we find joy in following him. May we find hope in sharing the gospel, may we be stirred in your power, in your authority and in your purpose for each one of our lives. And may we follow you all the rest of our days. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen.